Welcome back to Nerds from the Crypt, the podcast where we review your favorite and sometimes not so favorite horror movies. Today, neither uh, Greg nor David will be able to join us. However, I was able to go ahead and find two substitutions. Um, in the names of Ruben Romero and Casey Boker. How are you guys doing today? What up? Glad to be here. Let's catch up with our guest, Ruben. What's up? We've had you on, was it once or twice? I believe uh, I believe twice. I think once for Inferi and then once again for, for the agency. In those episodes, you brought up that you're a fan not only a fan i think you're a a super fan of scream franchise oh i yeah i think super fan is definitely the right word um it's it's my favorite slasher uh, of all time hands down for me nothing beats it you know people can talk about the guy in the hockey mask or the dude with the knives for fingers but for me it's for me it's ghostface for me it's ghostface <laughs> what is uh new with you ruben What's new with me? Um, well, I recently just funded a uh, a new uh, an issue one book one for uh, for a new series called The Illusion Witch, uh, which is about a uh, female illusionist who gets pulled into a world of real magic and fantasy, and uh, told that she is the uh, their savior, that she's the only one that can help them defeat this uh, nasty, malevolent wraith uh, that they call the Three. And uh, and she doesn't really see it. She doesn't get it. She's not a she's not a great person, uh, per se, uh, in real life out in our world. So when she gets pulled into this fantasy world and she gets told that she's some sort of hero, um, she just doesn't really believe it. She doesn't see it in herself. So uh, luckily uh, funded that uh, just a couple of weeks ago. So just getting the ball rolling on that and getting those rewards out and uh, kind of full steam ahead with, with a few other projects, me and Casey, you know, I let Casey tell it. We've been busy as well. Me and him together as a duo uh, have been busy. So, so yeah, I mean, it's just been, it's good stuff all around. So let's catch up with Casey before anything else. I have one question for Casey. Yeah. Do you like scary movies? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I, I mean we'll I'm we'll get into it for sure. <laughs> um I will say while Ghostface is not my favorite slasher, it is one of my favorite franchises. Uh for sure. And um I know we'll talk about it as as we go on, but um yeah, I'm like I'm running the Hollow 3 uh Kickstarter right now. Um, it's already been funded, but, you know, trying to unlock stretch goals and all that fun stuff. Um, but just rocking and rolling on that. That's my, that's my baby. Um, so very happy for everybody who's come back and, um, who's back that new one. Uh, so that's been good. And then, yeah, Ruben and I, I mean, we talk every single day, almost all day about like (laughs) what's next. Like we submitted a script, uh, for a vampire um, horror comedy 
to the blacklist and submitted it to a festival film festival. Um, we wrote a pilot, uh, which is like a, it's like a comedy action show, TV show um, that's out there in the world and a couple festivals as well. And then we're working on, jeez, uh, in Fairy 2 and 3, we're working on like a couple other movies and TV shows. So, yeah, that's that's my boy. Um, him and I, you know, we, we're constantly bouncing ideas off each other, whether it's something the two of us are working on or, uh, you know, individually. But. Yeah, you know, it's when I heard that he was going to be on tonight's episode, I was like, oh, shit, it's it's on. <laughs> it's always great to see you guys on, and on social media posting the, the new projects you're on. But then again, you're also not only working on your own stuff, you guys have stuff together. It just blows my mind how you have the time to do that. <laughs> do we yeah. have the time <laughs> you know people always ask that right and it's like mm-hmm. oh how do you do i'm like you you have to prioritize honestly <laughs> like you don't play video games like right that's it you know what i mean or you don't watch this show or this movie like mm-hmm. you have to really give up like people say they don't have time and i'm like well did you come home from work or you know get done with the phones or whatever it is that you do for a job and did you just watch tv and eat food and like that was your day and and that's a thousand percent fine because that is that is it but we typically don't and and that's the difference yeah i think it's you know we're both new dads so we we both have to kind of live that family life and then but at the same time we were we were already on the path to working together um as we became dads. So it was like one of those things where we just kind of like, you have to make it up as you go along. And like Casey says, you have to prioritize. You gotta, you gotta spend the time in it. Um, or else, or else it's just a hobby really. And, and that's what Mm -hmm. me and him are are trying to, to take, that's what we're trying to do is take our hobby to a career, um, to, you know, and the only way to do that is by taking it seriously. So like he says, he says it casually, like, Oh, we're, you know, we bounce ideas off each other, but we are constantly talking. Like it's, it's a crazy, like back and forth all day, every day, always trying to find the next thing to, to do, um, so that you can take it to that next level. Awesome. And guys, if you have not seen these projects, I would recommend one to go to the links that are going to be in the, the episode description, but also go back and listen to the episode. So you know what, what they're all about. Uh, and and I'll leave those episodes in the in the description as well. But you know, before I guess uh, we jump into the movie, is there any other update or anything you guys want to talk about before we jump in? You got something, Casey? Are you breaking news tonight? Like you? <laughs> well, you got- Casey has I think at least two or three times. He's he's been on the on the podcast about four times, mm-hmm. and at least three of those times he's given an exclusive news of what's coming up well i could i could tell you one thing i'm working on um that will be exclusive that nobody knows about um it always breaks on this show i don't know what's going on with it but okay so i'm a huge uh dungeons and dragons role-playing guy Mm -hmm. and um we put out this kickstarter we had chris walk on i think the last time i was on uh who is my uh best friend Ruben as well. Sorry, Ruben. Uh, I've just known Chris 20 years longer. And um, but 
we do all of Don't Forget a Towel and everything around with that, Chris and I. And we wrote this comic that we talked about last time called Pursuit of Plastic. Um, so with that, we are doing um, Dungeons and Dragons modules set in that world. Um, so uh, if you're a Dungeons and Dragons or role playing game fan, um, we're working on it right now. Uh, I'm hoping that comes out on Kickstarter probably in the summer. Yeah, I would say in the summertime, but um, or if I'm super ambitious, maybe even before that. But <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So it will be something where if you play Dungeons and Dragons already, it, you can add it into your campaign. Um, with your normal characters and just kind of go off into like this weird uh, toy world uh, fantasy adventures. So I'm pretty excited about that. Now, Greg's not here tonight, but he's going to kill me if I don't ask. Is there going to be a evil decorative plate collector in this? Of course. Module? Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> His name is Gerg. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> it's coming <laughs> all right then oh you know what um did they announce anything new about the before we actually talk about the movies we're here to talk how about the upcoming movie uh screen five any news uh, uh ruben that that you've heard uh, no not at all i mean other than the fact that they're done filming and we have to wait another year for it which is oh, re- ridiculous in my mind but <clears throat> that's just me being impatient you know <laughs> um you know make it good guys make it good you know make it good that's all i that's all i care about <laughs> all right well let's talk about the movies uh, that we're going to be talking about tonight we're going to be talking about both scream one and scream two well scream and scream two <laughs> right right i should say because the other one's not scream one so we're going to be talking about first 1996 uh, slasher film, uh, super meta. And this movie was directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. Do you, do you guys know the story? I'm pretty sure Ruben knows, but do you all know the story of how this, uh, I guess, screenplay first got started or first got written the story behind it? No, actually, I don't. Give me a little news. Yeah, go. Let me actually look the name because I want to. I don't want to get the name of the of the thing wrong. Let me look at it real quick. Williamson got the inspiration of for Scream after the real life case of the Gainesville Ripper. Mm. So, from what what I've heard and the way it's been told, I guess through interviews and so forth, is that he was watching in an episode that talked about the Gainesville Ripper and he psyched himself out so much because I think at the time he was he was either alone home alone or he was house sitting and all of a sudden he heard some noises and they kind of like freaked him out because he was watching the show and then he's like well you know what that kind of gives me an idea which in the movie I believe Ghostface, as we've called him, but he's never really known as Ghostface other than one time in the first movie. They, I think they call him the Woodsboro uh, Ripper, right? Or Woodsboro Slasher? The what do they call him? Do you remember? The Woodsboro Slasher. Yeah. So kind of the same thing uh, based on the, the Gainesville Ripper. And 
they shopped it around a little bit. Some people didn't see the the appeal to the movie, and finally he was able to find. Uh, I, I'll say the Weinstein brothers. Uh, one is the the one that's not been in the news lately is the one that's more credited as far as getting this pushed through, right? Um, through Dimension Films. So yeah, so it's based on a true, oh, unquote, quote unquote, untrue. Um, I guess series of of killings. Mm. Yeah, somebody asked me about. I think my one of my best friends actually, uh, Rigo, actually brought up the the Gainesville slasher or whatever he was like dude is that is it true that they based scream off that and and i was like i have to look it up but i never did so i guess it is true i mean i can i can see where looking at it on uh looking at it from kevin williamson's point of view where you're sitting home alone and you're 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 watching something like this i can see where that inspiration can come from and let me see what's in there daniel harold rowling is his name but yeah um he was actually executed in 2006 for his crimes. Interesting. Yeah. So I'm guess. let me ask you guys, what is your most, like your first memories with Scream or, you know, about Scream? Casey, you want to go? Yeah. So okay. your, your favorite slasher is Ghostface, whereas mine is Freddy. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm already a Wes Craven fan going into this film. And that was like, that was the first thing I, I did watch Dawson's Creek too. Right. So Kevin Williamson was, like, <laughs> was there at that, at that time, um, you know, doing that, which was, which is great. Uh, so for me, like um, I can remember going to the theater and seeing it. And, you know, they say that like Scream brought back, like, I guess it did bring back the slasher to theaters. Mm-hmm. I, I will say that. I don't think it brought back horror. Like horror didn't just disappear and this brought it back, but it brought back, you know, after this, it's like, I know what you did last summer. And um, what is it? Uh, Urban legends and all that kind of stuff came out after Scream. Um, so again, it it did a lot of things for the genre um and brought it into the forefront where i think it brought it more accessible for kids again or teenagers specifically so 1996 you know was, i'm in yeah sophomore i think or whatever uh me ruben and i are only like a few days apart in age so i can't really (laughs) yeah we are um which is crazy too uh and our kids are like a couple months apart it's just it's weird he's my brother from another mother (laughs) so um but yeah so from another dimension yeah dimension films uh so (laughs) i it's funny like if you watch new nightmare which is a couple years beforehand you and it is extremely meta that movie and at the time i was like this is weird i don't get it this is kind of stupid like i just want freddy to be normal when i watch new nightmare and then i watch scream i'm like kevin williamson was like you know what you guys don't like new nightmare well guess what i'm gonna give it to you but i'm gonna give it to you in a different way (laughs) it's so 
it so apes it. And, and it's fine because it's still Wes Craven. He can do whatever he wants. He can take from mm-hmm. his own stuff. So um, I love them both. But Scream, the first one, yeah, I remember going to the theater. And after walking out, I was like, holy shit, I bought. I mean, we'll go into it. Anyway, that's my initial thoughts. <laughs> go on. I will keep going. I'm actually, I was actually about a year late to oh. the Scream yeah, because I've watched scary movies since I was like four years old, but we never went to theaters growing up. We never had that thing like, oh, we need to go to theaters for every big hit movie. Unlike now where, well, not right now, right now, but, you know, like the MCU or the big horror movies and all that, we would go to the theaters and watch that. Well, as a kid, I didn't get that that experience. I was only able to see a movie in theaters when it was it had to be like a a big, big movie that my parents wanted to take me, <laughs> which was not horror. So I watched horror when it came out on video. I would rent them and, and watch them then. And that's how I ended up watching Scream 1, was renting it on VHS. And then not too long after that's when Scream 2 appeared in, in theaters. And I actually watched that one in theaters with with uh, one of my aunts she took uh, my cousin and myself to go watch this one so, yeah. yeah i'm 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 in the same boat as casey i i went to go see <clears throat> scream in the, in the theaters um i remember begging my brother alex uh to take me uh, and he was working at a movie theater at the time uh so we he used to get me into like all the movies i wanted to watch so um, I got to go see Scream and I remember walking out of there and just being, I know this sounds crazy, but just being so jazzed about the movie. Like I was just like, I was just like, whoa, you know, like it blew my mind, like the whole who done it, And like, you know, everybody can say, oh, I knew it was Billy and I knew it was Stu, but you know, oh, spoilers guys. It's, it's the what? best friend. Um, <laughs> you know, if you haven't seen it by now, why are you listening to this episode? Um, <clears throat> But, but, you know, I just remember being like, oh my God, like, that's so cool. That's, that's such a crazy idea. And, and I remember torturing my little brother for months because like he had, like, I had my own phone number at my, at my dad's house, you know, cause I lived in my mom, I lived in my mom's, but I would go to my dad's on the weekends and my dad had like my own phone, like my own phone number for, for my room when I was there. Um, and I would call it at night and I would just mess with my little brother. You know, and I'd just be like, what's your favorite scary movie? And he hated me. He hated it. And uh, eventually my father disconnected that line. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, I just like it was I, it was love at first sight or first stab for me. I just I, I really, you know, I couldn't I couldn't get over my affinity for Scream and I still carry it to this day. It's crazy what this movie did for horror like casey did it horror was around but in 19 in the 1990s especially in 96 i think a lot of our horror legends and icons were on the down downward trend right they were not as scary that i think like like freddy freddy's my favorite slasher as well as long as ghostface actually my two favorite but towards the end freddy was getting more comical and until New Nightmare, right? New Nightmare kind of brought Freddy into the real world, but it also brought him to be that a demonic figure again that wasn't making and cracking jokes all the time. Don't get me wrong. I like 
wisecracking Freddy as well. But from like the second film to Freddy's dead, there's a big difference on how he acts in those first couple of films to the last film of the, um, not new nightmare on Freddy's dead. And I think this, the what Scream did was it brought attention. It brought teenagers back into the horror genre and really engaged with the the slasher film. And I say engaged, but like really wanting to know more of the of the series. And it spawned uh, not spinoffs, but um, I won't even say ripoffs. It inspired other movies uh, to to do similar similar uh, concept. Like a, I guess. Um, I, I'm not sure how to what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, inspired other movies to do kind of the, do the same thing. Some of them were well were good to me at least. Like uh, Urban Legend, I really like Urban Legends, and I like I just uh, I know what you did last summer. Others may not like those as much. Yeah, I think I think they all fall short in comparison. Yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> they, they each they each have their own redeemable qualities about them. I did I did have fun watching Urban Legends, um, and I did have uh, fun watching. Uh, I know what you did last summer, uh, but again, it's like there's there's nothing like that feeling of hearing that phone ring, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's just it, it it immediately puts the pit in your stomach where you're like, oh god, here we go. And, and, and again, Urban Legends and, and I know what you did last summer and, and those other movies, they just didn't have that, that factor, you know, they didn't have that thing. And, uh, and again, it, it, it's credit to the cast because the, the cast and scream outshines everybody in, in those other movies. And in those other movies, it's not like, you know, you had Jennifer Love Hewitt, you had Sarah Michelle Gellar, you had, you know, uh, a, a slew of, of, you know, uh, Ryan Phillips. Rebecca Gayhart. Rebecca Gayhart, you had like you had classic. you know people who were like classic actors at that time that were doing their thing, but again, um, you know Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, you know Matthew Lillard, um, the whole cast, just the yeah. whole cast, just the whole cast. Jamie Kennedy, everybody in that in that in that first cast just absolutely crushes it, and uh, and that's why I can still sit back and get excited to watch that movie to this day because mm-hmm. everybody brings the thunder. You know, and it's like it's 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 just one of you know it's just one of those things where yes, it inspired a ton of homages, but none of them none of them kind of were able to to do, replicate what Scream did. I think what Scream does well is that not only does it have that iconic ghost face image, you know what anybody who who knows Scream, even people who never seen the movies, I'm sure know Ghostface, and the whole do you like scary movies line <laughs> it's something that even like i said even if you've never seen the movies you've at least seen the 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 previews to it and know something about it and of the slashers before ghostface freddy w- i think freddy was the only one that really taunted you and 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 um, talked i i mean i guess i guess Fre- uh chucky was um would do that too, but he was, a, I mean, leprechaun. Yeah. Pinhead. Well, I mean, there's a few of them that do it, but the voice, I, I know to me, this, one of the scariest things is the voice that is brought in 
um, the actor that was brought in to play the voice of Ghostface or the killer. Roger Jackson. Yeah. And if you look at him, you would not even, you wouldn't think that this guy can make that voice. He looks so nice. He looks so like peaceful and calm. But when you're listening to the movie or listening to him make those calls, I'm like, dang. Um, yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think this guy can make that that voice. There's a there's a story on set about like because they, they were talking about how difficult it was to like remain in character and like not be taken aback by some of the dialogue because he was literally on the other side of the wall mm-hmm. so that the actors could hear him. Right. So he's on. The- they weren't allowed to see him, though. Right, right. And Drew Barrymore's in the kitchen and he's on the other side of the wall and he's like, I want to see what your insides look like, you know? And she's just like, Jesus Christ, you know? Um, <laughs> so it's 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 crazy. Like it is, it is. And you look at him and you're like, and you're like, okay, yeah. Uh I think that line was improvised too. Yeah, probably. I mean, a lot of that stuff probably was just him coming off the top of his head. Um, but it was so it's like I'm, to this day, like I can remember those lines they're so good they're so good and they're so like immediately scary like imagine if you're home alone and some guys somebody's talking to you like that on the other end of the phone like you're gonna crap your pants yeah and i do think that because it's a human killer rather than being a supernatural killer i think it adds to the to the terror to me the the scariest monsters you can have and anybody who's listening to this podcast will tell you our favorite genre or not really genre, but our favorite monster is the people monster. And these people who, who play Ghostface, they're all people monsters. Yeah. And it's a new people monster or how, do, how would you say that in, in um, as a plural person, I guess singular is person monster, <laughs> people monster, um, new people monster in every film. So it's not like, it's the same person. It's the same voice, but just different, different person, different. Um, what is it called? Uh, motivation to do what they're doing from film to film to film to film. And the whole thing is that it's kind of a mystery where you're trying to figure out who the killer is. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to figure out who it is than others, but it's still a, a, a whodunit at heart with horror mixed in. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Anything else you want to before we just jump into the movie itself? No, nah, let's do it. <clears throat> All right, scream. Uh, we just talked about it not too long ago. Well, Ruben did. Drew Barrymore originally supposed to be uh, Sydney Prescott. I've heard different stories as to why she didn't end up being Sydney. Uh, one being that she decided that it'd be better for the movie. If all of a sudden she was the first one killed, because then all of a sudden, like this, at this point, she's the 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 biggest name, right? Of of all the the quote unquote teens, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you get this name. She's first in the in the in, you know the credits and all, and all of a sudden she's killed in the first what 10, 15 minutes. First, five. what else is gonna happen yeah. in this movie? Another story I heard it was that. She wanted this film, and actually, she's the reason why Wes Craven decided to take the, the the role of director was because Drew Barrymore wanted to be in this film. But then, at the at the end of the day, her 
obligations didn't let her be the full lead role. So they they had her be this first victim. I like the first story better where she decided that, you know, it's better for me to go first because then that kind of leaves it up in the air like anything can happen. I mean, I don't I don't doubt it. She is brilliant. Um, you know, she a lot of people don't give Drew Barrymore the credit that she deserves. She's she's been in the industry for a long time and she, you know, she's been doing it since E.T. people. Um, so <laughs> she knows film. Um, and she knows, you know, she knows, uh, and, and she continues to do great things. Um, so I can, I can see her sitting down with Wes and being like, you know what, you know, it'd be crazy as if you kill me in the first act of the movie, like in the first, you know, few minutes. And that kind of leaves the movie open for anything to happen. So I, I can totally buy that one. Uh, I also buy the other one too, cause she was busy as, mm-hmm. as busy can get back then. You know, she, she had, she had a ton of movies drop around that, you know, in that nineties era. So either or is good. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, there was a few people, uh, I know there's a rumor that Ben, that Ben Affleck was supposed to play Billy. Um, I don't know. I don't know how real that is. Um, same thing with Molly Ringwald. She was supposedly reading. She was playing Billy. No, she was. (laughs) (laughs) That would be interesting. I see her more as a stew, but Hey, um, but but no, she was uh, she actually read you know supposedly read for Sydney Prescott as well. Hmm. Wow, I didn't hear that one. That one's that one's interesting. I know that uh, David Arquette actually uh, tried out for Billy. Uh, <laughs> I think he actually gained the part of no no I'm sorry Randy I think I think it was, was it Randy Randy or Stu one of those not Billy and he. From what I hear, he actually chose to be Dewey instead because he felt that he can do something better with that role than than the other the other role. Yeah. Well, thank uh, God for that. <laughs> so let's, um, like I said, let's get to our first one of the most iconic opening scenes of any any horror movie with Drew Barrymore getting that call, getting teased, and really like it's it's like a a cat playing with his food with the mouse you know uh throughout the first 10 15 minutes of this movie one of my favorite opening scenes of any movie like i said yeah there was go ahead go for go for a case oh i mean yeah for sure i i (laughs) I had someone calling i thought maybe you were talking no no i mean her name's casey right like Mm -hmm. i was like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) casey becker yeah so it wasn't too far off actually so yeah um and as a drew barrymore fan uh who is it was yeah and i remember like seeing her gutted which is horrible right but this is the, the podcast and i just was like Oh shit. Okay. Like this is way more, I don't know, hardcore. You know what I mean? Like I've watched a lot of horror movies, but I guess I just didn't expect it given like, you know, I also watch party of five and I watch hackers. You know what I mean? Like I watched the movies that these people are in and they're not in these movies. So, um, it was like really kind of like, Oh, okay. This is going to be, a horror horror movie like we're gonna see some gore and stuff all right like this is crazy and then like ruben said you know that voice you know is just so 
iconic and then the costume um like i own the costume i mm-hmm. i hid under my sister's bed and i scared her like i i mean i have screen memorabilia here in my house i'm looking at it right now so like yeah it's it's crazy i loved it anything else you want to add on there ruben yeah by far like one of the best opening scenes in any horror movie i think uh, it just it's it, it sets the tone, you know, and uh, and for all the mistakes that they go on to make in that movie production wise, um, they are it's almost damn near perfect, except for the front door. The front door uh, switches out like twice. Like it's like the, the way they cut it. Like if you really pay attention, there's no way she's in the hallway and that hallway runs the way a normal hallway runs it just doesn't like the editing is is really weird but but again it was very low budget um and that's another thing that i loved about it was that it just didn't feel it just felt like a 90s movie at that time but now that we go back we're probably you know we're looking at a very low budget horror movie um you know they spent very little to make that movie uh and it's but it still does like there are things that i that i love about like her shaking the popcorn and like the the kernels going back and forth, uh, her pulling the knife from the knife set, like all of those little things, all of those little nuances uh, add to that scene, and it just causes tension to build. Uh, and then by the time you know he tells her not to hang up on him again, uh, or he'll gut her like a fish, like that right there, I was I was leaned in, I was like, okay what's about to happen um and then he goes on to, like you said kind of play with her and play the game you know what's your favorite scary movie and he starts asking the questions and i'm just like enthralled i'm just like oh my god what is going on here so yeah i think it's probably by far one of the most effective movies oh effective movie openings uh in my in my view in terms of horror movies like it immediately grabs you right from the moment it gets going the whole um uh, do you want to play a game or I forgot what the actual line is. It was used in the marketing, you know, like this is a killer who's taking his love for horror movies way too serious. So I remember hearing people talk about this and saying, that, oh, it's a killer who will kill you if you get the answers wrong and all that. And that was part of their marketing. Mm-hmm. It really doesn't take that really doesn't come into play a lot in the movie. It's more just playing with them just to play with them rather than it being a motive for killing them. And I think that for me, at least having it not hinge on, am I going to kill you or not? If you get these answers right, is actually better for the movie. And it actually makes it scary because if to me, those questions being asked is just more just to scare you, just to get under your skin and just to build, um, you know, the tension in the scene more than anything else, because really does it really come into effect much more throughout the whole movie itself? No, not, I mean, not really. He doesn't, he doesn't ask Sydney any questions. Like he, Mm -hmm. he asked, you know, he asked her what's, what's your favorite scary movie, but what I love about that follow-up call, the first call, the first call ever to Sydney, mm-hmm. what I love about that is that she's immediately mm-hmm. badass Sydney. Like she plays yes. like once, like, you know, I mean, first she thinks it's, it's Randy. And then once she kind of gets the feeling that it's not Randy, she actually has the balls to go outside. Like one of my favorite scenes in that movie is when she sticks her finger in her nose 
And she's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? And like, <laughs> and you know, it's like, it's like, whoa, this chick is, this chick is ballsy. You know? Um, and, uh, but then again, like in true horror fashion, you know, in that scene, she's, she's like, you know, I don't watch that crap. You know, it's insulting. You know, the girl's running up the stairs when she should be going out the front door. And then immediately when she gets thrown in that situation, the first <laughs> thing she does is run up the stairs. <laughs> now, to her credit, she tries to get out the front door, but that doesn't work for her. But she immediately goes right after that. She goes up the front uh, up the stairs. Uh, but again, very meta. Um, there's no other choice. Right. Like and again, like, I, you know, if you're in that scene, how else do you go about it, right? Like, if you were in there, how else would you go about it? So, um, I, I, it's just no. I don't think it ever does come into play again. But the what's your favorite scary movie um, gets played upon throughout the franchise, like mm -hmm. in different ways. Even Ran I think Randy, and we can get into that in part two. But in part two, he turns it around on the killer, and he gets on the phone, and the first thing he says is, "What's your favorite scary movie?" Which is hilarious. <laughs> yeah. It the whole thing up with with uh, Cindy saying that and then doing the thing that she critiqued horror movie um, girls or even victims do, uh, um, doing, I think it's it's meant to kind of throw it to us as the viewers because there's a lot of viewers, a lot of people who just like oh, I don't watch that crap, I don't do that, it, it makes no sense. The people who in the movies never do the logical steps. Why would they do this? Why would they do that? But you know, when you're in put in the put in that position, do you really have the time to really think and do what you think you would actually do? Uh, it's like everybody right now, right? Everyone says like, oh, I'm ready for the zombie apocalypse. I think we've figured out that we're not. <laughs> no. no. Listen, a lot of people, their cardio isn't up to snuff at the end of the day. <laughs> they, you know, they, they need to do a little bit more running. You know, they're, they're thinking it's, they're thinking it's all about, you know, guns and being prepared. It's, it's about the cardio. Zombieland gets it right. <laughs> so yeah, you brought up the point of a badass Sydney. And I think, Right from the bat, her being badass Sydney, uh, she not only does she show what type of character she is, but she actually grows throughout the film series and doesn't stay uh, stagnant in in her the way she is. She does change from from movie to movie, whether it. I I would say it's actually for the best each time. Um, whether it be good for you in, in, in real life as far as become a, a recluse later on, it's that's debatable. But there's reasons why she does what she does. There's reasons why, you know, people like her so much. And it is that whole, like you said, she stood up to the killer right off the bat. She didn't run away. She didn't scream. She didn't panic. She wanted to confront this person. Total badass. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so let's talk about all our characters. We kind of mentioned the murder. We already talked about Sydney. We talked about Drew Barrymore's character, who wasn't a main character in this film. She's um, She gets killed in the first uh, act of this movie. Uh, but we also have uh, Skeet Ulrich, to, who plays Billy. You have, um, what's his, how, how do you say his, uh, his last name? Um, Lillard. What is it? Matthew, Matthew Lillard. 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 I can never, I don't know why I can never remember his last name. Who plays Stu? Uh, we have Courtney Cox, who plays Gail Weathers. Um, 
what's his name? Of course, we already saw what's the name Dewey, uh, David Arquette, and Funny Man uh, Jamie Kennedy. What's his name? Jamie Kennedy who plays plays Randy. Any when you first saw the movie, any kind of like uh, anything that came out of left field, you didn't think I would be in this movie. Well, I think like you know, I I watched like I said Hackers, and I was already a fan of that, and Matthew Lillard was in that. So when he was mm-hmm. the the killer you know two killers is good uh you know that came out of left field right like nobody really expected that so that was pretty cool um to see that the other ones like i don't remember seeing jamie kennedy before this movie and we forgot rose mcgowan's in this movie oh yeah that's true um i don't remember seeing her uh before this like so yeah that was the other thing was like I mean, it's a new line movie or dimension, whatever. Like it costs no money, right? So like they're not gonna spend a lot on this rand even like Nev Campbell's the biggest one, or other than uh Drew Barrymore, she's on Party of Five. Okay. Mm-hmm. So like I watch that show and like a bunch of other teeny boppers, but like nobody else knows that. Like my parents didn't know who Nev Campbell was. So like I think relatively as far as the casting choices went it was all um unknowns you know the bigger ones were like like homages like bob shay like the head of new line is like in it you know what i mean like that kind of stuff i was more like whoa (laughs) but most of them were really you know leave schreiber even i don't remember seeing that dude before this movie so yeah Anytime I would see Lee Schreiber after this, I was like, hey, it's Cotton. <laughs> right. Until he's Sabretooth. But yeah. 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 <laughs> the one that surprised you got, me the you most. Got Joseph was, Whip. You got Joseph Whip, who was in A Nightmare on Elm Street. He was Sergeant, he was Sergeant Parker. And then. Yeah. Was, yeah. Like those, those little past. Little. Yeah. Uh, slasher people, you know, who showed yeah. up. Yeah. And it's all those little, you know, like Casey was saying, all those little Easter eggs of people who have kind of, you know, worked with Wes or have been in other horror movies. And they were all kind of strewn about in a very, in a very like red herring kind of way. Linda Blair comes out. Linda Blair is, is, yeah, she's like another newscaster person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or even Wes Craven makes a a cameo in this dressed as the school janitor, Fred. Yeah, that was funny. That was super funny. I oh, I forgot. Uh, freaking Corny Cox. Corny yeah, Cox. Yeah, I've been watching. Yeah, she's... going back. I mean, looking back at this, I think Corny Cox for me is the one that kind of sticks out the most. Yeah, yeah. mainly because she was Monica at the same time as this was um, going, and from interviews that I've that I've seen, she actually wanted this film and she wanted to be the quote unquote the the bitchy. Um, character because she wanted to kind of separate herself from the Monica character as much as, as much as possible. Well, she did it. Hats <laughs> off. Hats yeah. off. Courtney. Cause yeah. I, I, cause I see her cause I see her, uh, you know, not as Monica. Right. So like that, that to me was, you know, immediate. So yeah, it's great. Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that she did it because that she definitely pulled it off. And I mean, she becomes one of the main characters without being one of the teams. Oh, for sure. No, I mean, that's a, that's an ensemble cast. I mean, again, it's and that's why I think it's been able to succeed every time out, because you've been able to have, keep those three. Mm-hmm. You know, David Arquette, Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell. Um, 
That's why, like, in this new one, I'm very, like, this time I'm really afraid. Like, now I'm really afraid because, <laughs> you know, they took Randy from us in part two, and, and that's okay. But, like, these three, and they've all had their scrapes, you know, and they've all survived, like, like attacks. But um, I think, you know, Dewey's gotten it the worst um, out, of, <laughs> out of all three of them. That's yeah, for sure. Just a bit. Uh, so, so I'm just, I'm really afraid to see what's going to happen in this new one. But but that first one, I mean, when Dewey went down and, and, you know, I was just like, you know, he comes stumbling out of the doorway and the knife gets pulled out from his back. I was like, oh, man, he's dead. You know, but then at the end, they show him getting loaded in and he gives the thumbs up. And I was just like, oh, yes, Dewey's alive. And, you know, like it's just uh, it, I felt like I had gone on a journey with with Sydney after that movie, for sure. And the whole Dewey being given the thumbs up was a, like a very last minute scene that they decided to record. I'm glad they did. Oh, it. nice. That's cool. <laughs> it filled my heart with joy. So I don't know if he was supposed to be dead or not, but they decided like, let's go ahead and just give an answer to whether he did or did not die. Nice. So the rules scream another thing that, you know, that get, get brought up a lot. The rules that Randy says are the, basic rules you need to obey to survive any horror film one you can never have sex which at the time of saying this sydney's upstairs with billy having sex (laughs) two you can never drink or do drugs which the teens are at a party drinking i'm assuming doing drugs as well and three, never, ever, under any circumstances, say, I'll be right back. <laughs> and, of course, Stu says, I'll be right back. To, you know, Stu and Billy break two of these rules. And at the end of the movie, they're dead, so. <laughs> yeah. You can't break the rules. Or else and they both drink, so. You gotta die, like Stu yep. says. Now you gotta die. I guess... Sydney's the only one that doesn't, uh, these rules don't apply to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. She's the one that's got to overcome that. It's like having Ripley, you know, die in alien or aliens, you know, like she was just like, it's not going to happen. Like she was the one that's going to come out of it. So, uh, again, I've, I, I attributed to the fact that, you know, I think Wes had the foresight of saying horror franchises, like they, they tell us like, even with um, with um, from Halloween, Jesus. Now her her name is a Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Jamie Lee Curtis. Like they're giving her her flowers in that movie. You know the the, the scream queen. Like why was she in all these horror? Mm-hmm. You know, like they're giving her her flowers. Like they're telling. Like in that in that scene, that's a that's a hats off to strong female characters in horror franchises. And I think Sydney kind of raises the torch again in the nineties for that, because if you, if you, again, you go look at the homage films like urban legends, I know what you did last summer. They all, they all center in around a, a female character. So it's again, one of those trends that scream set off again. Um, and, but they did it, they did it best, you know, and, before I'm, the, the final girl, they didn't always start off badass. They always kind of were, at the end of the movie, they were badass, but they always started off kind of scared or kind of running away for the most part. 
And then at the end, when they're just like fed up with everything that's going on, that's when they decide to stand up and and be a badass. And like we said, be ready from the very first scene that we that we get with Sydney getting the call. She's already standing up to the killer without knowing it's a killer. <laughs> Maybe that's why she does it. <laughs> um, like, and we don't have to go beat for beat for the movie because we can just talk about and just randomly. Uh, um, bring things here and there. We don't have to go in order. We just want to talk about the our favorite parts of the movie and what Scream has done for, for at least for us as horror fans. Uh, so yeah, w- so we got our cast. Um, what do y'all think about the? I guess let's talk, let's go towards the motivations of the killers. Do you all think that the quote unquote motivations or actual motivations? for these characters or are they just using that as an excuse to do what they're doing? Mm. Most definitely using it as an excuse. Yeah. I think these two were psychopaths to begin with and they just, yeah, they, I mean, it might've been a trigger to kind Maybe of, maybe they went something. a little mad. Oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, I think they were going to do this no matter what, even if, I don't, if Sydney's mom hadn't, hadn't gotten with with Billy's dad, right? Yeah. I think this is going to happen. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it. You know, like that's what I love about this movie is that it all comes down to family ties. So again, like something that we don't know until Scream Three, but we have to we have to go back and analyze Scream One. Like we know that Sydney's brother got to Billy and Stu. You know what I'm saying? And he mm-hmm. initially is the one who gets the ball rolling. So. He, you know, he's the one that records Billy and 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 Sydney's uh, Billy's dad and Sydney's mom, you know, having an affair. He's the one that shows him those movies. Like, um, so again, like, you know, he even says it. You know, be, you know, being being left being left by your by by your parent causes serious deviant behavior. Like, a little bit of both, I think. You know, he was mad that his parents were divorced, and he was he was just you know he was already messed up. I think you know, because mm-hmm. of certain things, but then he, you know, gets an opportunity to kind of pay back the, the, the blow, so to speak. And, uh, and yeah, I think, you know, Stu just went along for the ride. I think peer pressure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I think Stu was, I think, I don't know. I think Stu is a, is a interesting character mainly because of how, dumb he is and how <laughs> clumsy he is you can definitely tell the difference of who is under the mask mm-hmm. based on how the act you know how um ghostface will hold the knife differently based on who is under the mask mm-hmm. you'll sometimes see him just using one hand another times you'll see him like choking and holding the knife with two hands and from what I understand, the one he's choking is is Billy because he we see him do it and we see him hold the knife with both hands. Whereas the clumsier one handed knife wielding uh, ghost face is Stu. Is it done on purpose? I don't know. It just feels like they did it on purpose because I feel like that's what Wes Craven would would be doing. I think he's famous for really being very meticulous about plotting out stuff for the movies. Yeah, I mean, the more I watch the movies, the more I like to kind of theorize who's who's who, you know, mm-hmm. and who's doing who's doing what. Um, 
but at the same time, it like sometimes the timing doesn't doesn't allow for it. So you kind of have to like suspend belief. Suspend, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Because it's it's very difficult to to think like, especially at the house party, uh, you would assume that the killer who kills Tatum is Billy, but we also lose track of Stu at that point too. Like, yeah, he sends her to the to the kitchen or to the garage for the beers. So he would know, you know, Stu would know she's in there. But at the same time, that killer is like, he's angry. You know, he seems mm-hmm. a lot more vicious. So it feels like Billy. Um, so, I, you know, and then as opposed to obviously the, 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 the Billy killing scene, that's Stu. And immediately you, you see that clumsiness of he's running and he's getting the door slammed in his face. He's tripping over his own house. Like he's all over the place with it. So, you know, it's those things where you're like, I like to theorize who's who, but at the same time, I, I like to think too, that her brother is in that movie too. We just don't know it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the, like the, like the, like the one in the school, right? Like when she gets attacked in the bathroom, mm-hmm. that can't be Billy and that can't be Stu. They're not wearing the same clothes, the same pants. The same pants. So it had to be somebody else. See, I've heard a theory on that one, meaning that it was just somebody playing a prank. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. later we see the people getting in trouble for pulling pranks. And we right. see them in the hallway. That's... But the fact that there's no knife at that in that scene either shows that, one, it was someone who was not really trying to kill her. And just try to scare her, mm-hmm. or just someone playing like the, and, and just a cruel prank. Or you can think about it this way: if it, let's say, if it was her brother, I never thought of that. But yeah, if it say if it was her brother, he didn't want to kill her right then and there. He wanted to can just kind of playing this cat and mouse game with her. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. What do you else want to talk? What else? I'll. I'll Refer to Ruben here. What else do you want to talk about? Scream one before we get to like the the whole finale. Um, I don't know. Like I, you know, honestly speaking, like if there's one thing that I that I want to just like hats off is is to the writing. Kevin Williamson does mm-hmm. an amazing job. You know, uh, that that movie is filled with one liners, clever jokes, um, really really sharp references. Um, and and again, just just lends itself to that whole meta world where where horror is something that real people are experiencing. So uh, so for me, you know, overall, when it comes to Scream One or Scream, uh, I think the writing is what is really what propels that movie more than more than anything else. I mean, Scream One got nominated for quite a bit of re- of awards. It. As far as the writing goes, let's see here. Best writing, for, he got a Saturn Award uh, for Kevin Williamson. The movie itself won the International Horror Guild Best Film. The Saturn Award, again, they won Best Actress, Best Horror Film, and were nominated for Best Director, Supporting Actor, and Supporting Actress. Although, Drew Barrymore got, sub- got nominated for some Best Supporting Actress, which I don't know if... She's there long enough for me, at least, to be con- to consider a supporting actress. But, however, she is the one that kind of puts it on motion for us as a viewer. So I, I guess I can take that back for my own for myself. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, MT Movie Awards. They won the MT Movie Award for best movie, and uh, I remember that prestigious. 
I think it meant more. It did. Oh, it definitely it did. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know if, I mean, maybe they still do them. I have no idea, but I think they still do. It's just, I, I haven't seen it since in the nineties. And that's because I never really watched it back then either. Right. So yeah. I, I uh, voted for the movie. Okay. Like, geez. <laughs> Home, I throw on the box and I just vote for Scream Best Horror Movie <laughs> MTV Movie Awards. Like, yeah, kids, we couldn't vote online back then. Mm-mm, no, no. I was calling on my phone. So, wrapping up Scream, we're just wanting to talk about how much we love this film um, and how much we really just enjoy the, the film itself. And that's the reason why I chose Ruben to be on here for, for this. And so let's let's talk about I guess the ending and and and, and all. We already kind of talked about the motivations of the of the of the killers, but did did you really get fooled by the movie in in the first scream? Yeah, for I mean for sure. I had no idea. Um, I it does a really good job at throwing. I mean, a red herring would be like the dad, right? Possibly being the killer. What is it called when they purposely throw in someone like Billy to be a um, a suspect, but then later be cleared for at the end them to be actual the killer? I mean, it's just a little bit of misdirection. Misdirection. There you go. Yeah, yeah. It's just a little misdirection. Look over here, type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the phone call, the phone call to Sydney from jail was, hmm. was actually genius. Yeah. Now, how he got the voice changer in jail, I don't know how he got that in. I don't know, but you know, a little plot, minor plot hole, but, but yeah, the, the phone call from jail was really, really smart. And the moment that Sydney actually has a second to actually pick up on it and really foot, put two and two together, um, Billy dies or Billy gets quote unquote killed. So Mm -hmm. she doesn't really have a moment to process the information. She's actually like going through it as it's, as it's dawning on her um, while they're in the bedroom. And, and then, and then Stu comes in dressed as Ghostface and, and, you know, does his thing. But, but yeah, I mean, she almost had it. She almost had like, she, she was, she was almost there. And then she gets thrown into that situation um, into that last act. Uh, so, so yeah, I mean, the, the ending I, th- I thought was, uh, I personally, I, I got fooled and I th- still think to this date, the two killer thing was brilliant. Mm-hmm. I think it does a very good at doing that misdirection. Like you, like you said, for the fact that you, I, for me, at least I felt like I kind of knew who the killers were, but each time you wanted to say that's definitely them, they always had a way to like. Well, it can't be them because of this, this, or this. So it always kept you guessing as to, are you right? Are you wrong? It always kept that thread of it might be the dad who just was going to snap at the anniversary of her of his wife's murder. Is it caught in? Well, it can't be caught in this one because this one he's still in jail. Um, you know, who, like who could it actually be? It could even be like Randy snapping because he can't get with Sydney out there all these years of trying to get with her, right? <laughs> I mean, it kind of like it tells you who the killers are, 
but then throws you off the the, the track. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, there's plenty of times where you're like, oh, it's got to be them, but then yeah, then no, it, some, there's another <laughs> reason why it's not. You know, um, I w- I would say the only full tell is uh, you know that that it might that that gives you the vibes. Again, is is the video store scene where where Stu mm-hmm. and Randy are talking, and then Billy, you know, kind of pops up on him, and Stu kind of just hunches over Randy's so, shoulders, shoulders, and like is playing with his earlobe, and Billy's like, "How do we know it's not your movie warped freak mind that snapped?" You know, like he starts putting it on him, and like, and all of a sudden, it's just like, you know, you're like, "Oh man, these there's like some bad blood here," but then. Mm-hmm. But then, like, Stu, like, is just, like, you know, he's a clown, you know, right after that. And Billy walks away. And, like, and Randy's just left there, you know, with his own devices. And you're like, nah. You know what I'm saying? Like, the, all of these guys don't fit. You know what I'm saying? So, and then the movie goes on. Um, so, it does, I think it does, again, it does a really good job at, at like, uh, like like you said, just, just fooling you and pulling back. Uh, every time you think you've got the person, uh, you know, they, they give you a reason why it shouldn't be them. I don't, I'm trying to think on whether, how, how I feel about these two stabbing each other before they kill Sydney. Because <laughs> that ends up being their demise is just arguing between them and, and um, doing this in front of Sydney instead of taking care of her first. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, these guys are not trained killers. These are not professional killers train killers they're not they're, they're at the beginning of their of their serial killing so at the same time it's like i feel like yeah they're kind of idiots that they let the moment get to them and they want to be famous kind of at the same time they want to get away with it so i i can see they're like i heard someone say that they feel like they feel like uh james bond villains telling the the whole story before letting James Bond get away. Right. Except that those are supposed to be intelligent, super criminals. And these guys clearly aren't. Right. Uh, we see that they were manipulated. And even though they might have already had that instinct to wanted to go ahead and, and do these killings, they were manipulated by someone else, as we see in the third film, which we're not going to get to today. But we do see right. that they were manipulated into into doing that. So yeah, maybe they were already going to do something like this, but it just took that nudge, that extra nudge from that additional character who is behind the scenes. Whether it actually was meant to be that way or not, it it took that to to get them to act. So I always think to myself, is it? What do I feel about this? At the end of the day, it doesn't change what I feel like about the movie. So I say it is what it is. Yeah. yeah. So. I mean, but, but, and again, it, it all falls into, into the meta, right? Because they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're immediately, you know, Stu's like, you got to have a sequel, baby. You know, like we, you know, me, me and Billy, we survive. We, we go on and make the sequel. And, and again, it was their, it was always their plan mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to survive that night. Um, and God knows what they were going to do uh, going forward. Uh, I don't know how they'd make a sequel if they killed their main girl uh, with Sydney. So I don't see I don't see how they would have done a sequel themselves. But um, but yeah, it's it's one of those things where uh, I think they they thought the idea was going to go well, and then like you said, once they start bickering 
back and forth. And, you know, uh, one of my favorite lines in that whole in that whole scene and that whole exchange is like, you know, he's like, I think you got a little overzealous with the knife, man. <laughs> I'm bleeding over here. And then like when he hits him with the phone and he's like, you hit me with the phone, dick. Like, they, like and he gets on the phone and he's like, he's like, he's, she's like, oh, Stu. She's like, what are your motivations? And he's like, peer pressure, you know? And he's like, he's like did you really call my, my, you know, did you really call the cops? And she's like, you bet your, your bitch ass I did or whatever. And she's like, oh, my parents are going to be so mad at me. Like, you know, it's like, he's, he's all over the place in that, in that scene because like, then he turns around and tries to kill Sydney, like, like a, like a true psychopath. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's, he's like, he's like, I always had a thing for you, Sid. And it's, it's just like it's the, the 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 night and day of Matthew Lillard in that movie is amazing, and he sh- and he sh- he brings all of the smoke in that scene because he's the dumb doofy friend, but then he turns around and shows you like, hey, this guy like he's a killer. He really is a killer. Um, so so I think it's it, all of that comes together uh, at the end for for them. That's. That's the reason why I said I feel like his character is actually a bit more interesting than Billy's character. Yeah, Billy is the more, I guess, like more, what's his name? Um, what's his name? Uh, serial killer that Zach Efron just played him. I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Oh, my God. Now it's going to be stuck in my head. Ted Bundy. Ted Bundy. There you go. He's more like the Ted Bundy. He's like the more charismatic, uh, smooth talking, good looking killer. Whereas Stu is like the more, he's got more layers to him. I feel like he's, he's, he's goofy. He's, he, he's just crazy, but it, he can turn on a dime from, from one to the other. Uh, whereas I think Billy kind of has the same vibe throughout, even when he's, not being crazy or being with, with everybody else. I kind of feel like he has the same kind of vibe there. If that makes sense. Well, I can attest to Ski Ulrich being a very laid back dude. Um, I met all three of them, Nev Campbell, Matthew Lillard and, and Ski Ulrich. Um, yeah, I'm jealous. And, That's and, crazy. Uh, <laughs> and Matthew Lillard is, he is everything you would think he is. Uh, and more, he is a gem of a person and he is like a firework in real life. He was just so bubbly and full of life and funny and welcoming and warming. Like, um, and, and Nev is just super, super sweet. And like, you can tell she just like really finds the whole idea of like people loving this movie really interesting. Cause you know, she was like, she was like, why do you, what, you know, she asked me, she was like, why did you love the movie? And I was, you know, and, I went off like a super fanboy, like uh, <laughs> yeah, like me. Uh, I responded like I do, <clears throat> and gave her like the whole spiel. And she was like, she was just smiling the whole time. And she was like, she was like, you are so excited. And I was like, you know, I am. <laughs> and <she> was, <laughs> it was like, and she she you know signed the picture, and like she was just really really sweet. Um, but Skeet Ulrich was like, I was like, oh dude, you were great as Billy, man. I, I freaking you know the whole Carrie's you know corn syrup scene where you're like licking your fingers and you're looking at her all weird, man. And you're like, you're, you definitely brought the, the creepy in that. He's scary. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was like, you were scary. And he was like, ah, we're, you know, I was just having fun, you know? And like, <laughs> like, um, you know, and, and like to hear them talk about it, like, like if they, it wasn't a big deal and like, it's funny because I think all artists do that, right? Like they all are like, Oh gosh, like, Oh, I can't believe it. But you know, um, but, but really, uh, 
they they redefined you know again yes horror was around and 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 the slasher was not a new invention um again they mentioned my my other my second favorite only to screen slasher which is the town that dreaded sundown oh yeah, yeah. you know they, they mentioned that movie in screen and yeah. um you know again it's not a new thing but they 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 reinvigorated the horror slasher genre for sure you know they they took the they, they took the, the the paddle boards you know that they used to revive people to horror <laughs> and slashers and they and they they brought life back to the game um and that's why they're still making them till today um so it, to me i think it's just you know it's it, again when that movie ended you immediately wanted more i i, I immediately i personally wanted more i was like i need another screen and it was set up that way the when the scream screenplay was sold it came with like five or six pages of what it was called scream 2 mm. <laughs> nice so they already had it set up for the, the sequel casey take notes <laughs> <laughs> you got it i think i think williams had just knew what he had he knew that that it was going to make it and now the thing is that williamson he was struggling at the time he 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 did this because he loved horror and he was scared by that that report that he was seeing and his personal like just being scared at the house but he needed this he needed to sell that screenplay Right. So it came out of the necessity, out of the love of horror, out of being scared. And not only did he came out come out with a good great movie, he came out with a, a great franchise. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, because I think, you know, not even what was it like two years later? There were well, what I don't even know if it was two years. It was, it was only a year later. It was only a year later. A year later we got Scream too. Yeah. The biggest mystery of Scream, though, is why is Billy, why does Billy have a goatee in the poster? <laughs> <laughs> I think, if I'm not mistaken, mystery. he's got, he's, yeah, like it's, it, yeah, he's got to be, he had to have been working on another movie. Yeah. Before, you know, when they it's did an the- alternate dimension, Skeet Ulrich. <laughs> Right, right. Um, we would we would have to go back to Skeets, uh, Skeet, Skeet, Skeet. Um, we would have to go back to uh, to his like filmography and see what he was filming at that time, or like the year, you know, a few months prior to that, um, because that's that's what it's got to be. Because they do they do kind of like the promotional stuff right at the beginning, and then then they go into production, so um, so that they can have it ready. So I would assume probably he came in with that and they were like, oh, okay. And they took the pictures and then they were like, hey, this guy doesn't look like a senior in high school. <laughs> exactly. Right. So they were like, well, you got to shave, man. Um, so, yeah. Uh, who killed his beard? It was probably himself. It was beard suicide. Um, <laughs> you know, but yes, that you know, we'll, we'll put that mystery to bed at some point. We'll figure out what movie he was doing beforehand. And for anybody who says that Scream is a horrible movie. Wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I got a bone to pick with people like that. Please don't listen. How did you make it through an hour, 15 minutes so far? (laughs) 
Um, Scream two, real quick. I think Scream two. We can we we talked a lot about Scream in general, so we can go through Scream two pretty quickly here. Scream two is actually one of my favorite sequels. Mm. I think it's just so well written. Uh, I, I for the longest time I I felt like Scream two was actually the better of the two movies. Now looking at it at Especially the since I watched them back to back, I I don't know anymore. I don't know if I like Scream or Scream Two better. Mm-hmm. I like them both um, so so much that I I can't can't decide. Yeah. I mean, talk about opening sequences again. Mm-hmm. I I remember seeing that in the theater too, and just being like, "Damn." <laughs> They they went even better, you know what I mean. Um, plus, is a big Jada Pinkett fan. Like, yeah, it was it was good. It was, uh, you know, I think for me the standout in that movie. I I like it a lot, and probably at the time I liked it more. Um, but now it's like the you know uh, Jamie Kennedy's speech about how sequels are not as good as the originals and all that like that was probably like my favorite like moment in that movie um, mm-hmm. other than other than stab uh, which is great <laughs> yeah the whole stab thing and the the whole franchise within a franchise smart again. super meta yeah and I've always liked how they continue to bring that up in, in the, the following film. Cause like what in scream three, they're already like at stab four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They've been doing this every year. <clears throat> yeah. And when we go, I, I just forgot one thing about scream here is um, Matthew Lillard comes out in one of my other favorite horror movies, which is 13 ghost. Mm-hmm. just want to say that. Oh, yeah. uh, talking about Jada Pinkett. She also comes out on one of my, favorite horror movies which is demon knight touching the crypt so i could talk all two for day two. about yeah. that movie too <laughs> <laughs> i love that movie um so jada pinkett smith once again we get a big name actress who doesn't make it past the first the whole first scene this one like i said in the first one where Sydney is talking about why are you doing this? Why, why would I watch this one? You know, someone who talks about a horror film as it's like a lesser form of entertainment or there's a form of art who doesn't get the horror thing all of a sudden, but you really, she really gets into it shortly after the film starts after she's talked trash about horror films. When she's actually watching the movie, she's actually getting into it. Yes. Um, what's his name? Is it Omar Epps? Omar Epps. Is that who it is? Yeah. yeah. Uh, after he's gone, <laughs> quick, quickly, um, she, he, uh, whoever the killer at that point is, which I'm thinking is, is, I guess I'll just. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that's been out for <laughs> for a long time. If you haven't Spoilers, seen it, guys. that's your 24 fault. Twenty four years. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> your fault. Um, I think it's Mickey mm-hmm. who's there. Sits next to next to uh, Jada Pinkett Smith's character. I don't even remember her name anymore, but he just sits there and just lets her believe that's that she's he's the boyfriend. But you can see how she, how more interested in the movie she is at that point. 
And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no. Um, her name is Maureen, by the way. More, uh, Maureen, like more, like Maureen Prescott, which is Sydney's mom. Um, the go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, like, like I, I just I love that the the whole the whole vibe in Scream is the is the copycat killers and like the, mm -hmm. the names of other victims kind of fall back into the original Woodsboro mur murders. And so it's that, Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. It's yes. Oliphant. It's great. Yeah. It's, I think it's probably the first time I saw him. Yeah. And he's, and he's great. He's like, he is, I think in scream two, it was easy to kind of pick out Mickey. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It was, it was kind of easy to pick out Mickey, but, uh, but at the same time, <clears throat> Uh, I love that, you know, he's kind of one note throughout the whole movie. And then finally, when when we get him like, you know, full reveal, he's like a total for a fucking psychopath. Like he's just he's just like he's all obsessed about his trial. Like he thinks he's going to be like the, the star of the show, um, which, again, I think, again, Scream 2. Ted Bundy again. To like, right. To like all of the real life people who, you know, real serial killers who did become famous because of their trials, right? Uh, Richard Ramirez, you know, mm -hmm. Ted Bundy had women fawning all over them, you know, even though they were psychopaths. Um, so I think, you know, like I thought that that was really brilliant. Me as a, a lover of serial killers and, and, and that kind of thing, I thought that that was really dope, you know, to kind of bring that into the forefront there. Um, and, and then again, you know, just going right back to just the beginning, uh, you have Omar Epps, who was hot at the time, Jada Pinkett, who was super hot at the time. And I get both of them bite it in the beginning. And they've they, they continue to kind of follow that pattern throughout throughout the franchise is kill these big name stars right, right at the beginning of their movies so that we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it, the, the one thing that I'll continuously hear about this movie is the reaction of the crowd the reaction of the of the people watching this movie yeah and how they're acting but i i think i feel like scream actually set up their their world this is how people act like in scream one the teenagers the way they acted it's kind of the way the 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 theater goers are are, are acting kind of like rowdy and so it never seemed out of place for me because it feels like the world, this is the world uh, that they live in. This is how the people act. <laughs> and yeah, if, I, I mean, even going back to like the early days of, of cinema, the horror films back in the day used to have things coming in and out of the people dressed up as monsters um, to scare the, the, the viewer. So this is kind of a throwback to that. Yeah. And because this horrible thing happens during all this has happened. Everyone kind of thinks it's like it's part of the show until they know it's not. Ugh, so genius. So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just, I, I never understood why people can't get over that. But it's the biggest thing that I feel like people talk about other than maybe one of the motivations for, for or maybe the ability of one of the killers to do this. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a bit. We get new friends in this. I feel like the new friends actually kind of mesh together, and with the with the old gang, and the, they, I don't feel like they feel out of place. Maybe Mickey at the the most feel, feels out of place, but I feel like he's more like the anti Randy, or like 
if Randy were psycho, this would he would be Mickey. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Any character in there that really just threw you off uh, from, I guess, from Scream 2? No. Uh, I, somebody who I enjoy very much in that movie is Jerry O'Connell. Yes. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. He's he's great. Um, the I Think I Love You scene, you know, uh, riffing oh, off of Top Gun. Um, and, uh, and I would say that probably my like one of the ones that I love in that movie and he doesn't get a lot of burn is, um, is Joel is the cameraman. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's Dwayne Martin. And it's like, it's like the thing that stood out to me the most that I was just like, Oh, I want more of him was the, when Sydney punches Gail again and uh, her friend turns around and she's like, did you get that on film? And he was like, yeah, I got it on film. Like, <laughs> like he just, he like, he like does like the neck way, you know, like, you know, the hand waving and like the neck jerking. And like, it was just really funny. And then like how he eventually learns about what is ha- happening. Um, and what happened to the previous cameraman? Yeah, like what happened to the previous cameraman? Like when he's like he's reading the Woodsboro Murders book, and he's like, he's yeah. like, Why you, tell me? you know, like he's like learning about it as it's happening, and he's like, I don't want nothing to do with this, and he's out. And at that point, when he leaves, I'm like, oh, I was like in that movie, and in, in, in script two, I was like, oh, maybe he's the killer because everyone has the same boots, right? Everybody has the same black boots. Which, to be to be honest. In the '90s and early 2000s, everyone had those type of black boots. Right, everybody. Yeah. Oh. Well, oh man, I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, uh, what I liked about about this character is that when he introduced himself to Gail, he's like, "Oh yeah, I recorded the the Bingo's final. I almost won an award for that." Yeah, <laughs> totally um, underprepared. Like he's yeah. not. He's not. Right. The thing, and the thing that not knowing who Gale whether is and what happened. Right. Like I feel like that would have been a big enough story that no matter who you are, you kind of even if you just barely paid attention, you kind of knew the backstory. Especially if you're of a cameraman, you would know what happened to the other cameraman. <laughs> That's what makes it genius that he does. You know, that he's like totally unaware. We're also introduced to, I think her name is Debbie Salt. Yes. Uh, another reporter who kind of just wants to be part of uh, Gail Weather fan club. Uh, she's there to report, but she's also there to kind of be an annoying um, side character for, for Gail. And... Let's just get let's I mean let's get to the to the to the the point here. Yeah. Randy says that the sequel's supposed to be gorier and bloodier. I don't think it is. But I don't think that's a bad thing. Mm, I don't know. I think the, the body count is definitely higher in screen. It is higher, yes. Yeah. Um the sound room scene is probably right up there with with gutting Casey Becker in, in the first scene, like having Dewey spit, you know, like all his blood pop up on the glass. And then yeah. and, uh, I do think they pull punches with Rand- they did pull a punch with Randy's, but it is violent. Like even though mm-hmm. you see it up close, it is a very angry kill. 
Like she ripped, and that's and that's it's kind of his fault, though. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. But but still, like she she goes crazy on Randy. Um, and and again, like I wish they wouldn't have pulled it. They pulled the punches twice uh, on the kill and in the reveal. We don't get to, we don't we don't ever see it full you know full force. Uh, that's the reason why I say I don't feel like it's gorier, yeah, or or bloodier. Yes, yeah, it has that body count is definitely thing. higher. But the body count, yes, yes, the body count is way more. Yeah, but, and the reason why I say this is because with all the trouble that Wes Craven had in the first film, getting it through the what is it called the M MPAA, yeah, he actually filmed this to be even gorier and bloodier to submit that to the MPAA. So that when they tell him, oh, you can't have this and this, he would actually turn in the film that he really wanted it to turn in. Right. But when he did that, the MPAA at this time was like, yeah, go for it. <laughs> You're good with the original gorier version. So he could have turned it in that way. But then he actually turned in the tamer version of it. So it actually was supposed to be gorier and bloodier and so forth he just went back on it right, can we stop the presses then because if Zack snyder can get a justice league snyder cut <laughs> can, we get, can we get scream to the west craven cut please what i will say that's the thing is that this one is technically the west craven's cut that would be the other one would be the mpaa cut mm. either way i want to see randy get cutted uh, yeah <laughs> see that i want to see that scene um yeah that's pretty cool that's a cool story so the setup from scream to scream 2 is that after mrs loomis leaves um billy decides to to get revenge on sydney and pretty much everyone around her just to by killing them only to have himself be killed and then miss mrs loomis decides to get her revenge dressing up as uh, or taking the the identity of Debbie Salt and getting an accomplice to help her out. Randy's mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine if it was two mothers in this one? Oh man, if it was oh that would have been crazy. But again, <laughs> but it, again and again, Debbie Salt, the incomparable and talented mm-hmm. and ever beautiful. Lori Metcalf plays Debbie Salt. Plays Mrs. I feel like she's looked the same forever. Is, yes, yes. From Roseanne to to Big Bang Theory to Young Sheldon. Well, she wasn't in Big Bang Theory, but she's in. Uh, well, yes, she was in Big Bang. She's Theory. in Big Bang Theory. Her, yeah, her daughter plays her in Young Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yes, she's she's amazing. And um, and again, I again family ties. I, I love how that comes out. How how that comes full circle in that movie as well. Like she was not gonna let Sydney kill her baby boy and get away with it. Like no matter no matter what, right? You know what her son did. She was a mother, and her, and you know there's nothing worse than a than an angry mom. You know, so Sydney, you know, in her in her eyes, Sydney had it coming to her. And I like this one because we actually get like fully fleshed motivations for both killers that don't align with each other but at the same time they tried using each other one to become famous and one to get revenge and then mrs loomis just takes out mickey because she's no longer part of his her plan anymore and he's gonna take the fall 
Um, I just, I don't know why I love that so much that she'd be like willing, like, yeah, you've helped me out this long, but you know what? I don't need you anymore. I got my, got my revenge. You can, um, you can die now. I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, so I have, um, read a lot of theories about this and the whole setup of how the killing took place. And you were talking about the, the copycat killers. The, the whole theory is that Mickey is the one that set up the copycat killers killings just to make it the copycat so that when he finally does get caught, he's known as the copycat killer of, of Ghostface. Mm. So that's why he kills these people. And most likely he's the one that that set it up for these two be, to be the ones that get killed because they have that similar name. That's interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I but, mean, it was, you know, but, uh, you know, she even says it, she even says that, that she finds Mickey on a, on a serial mm-hmm. killer website, you know, like I thought it was, it was so 1996 fun. Reddit. Yeah, exactly. Like 1996 <laughs> Craigslist, like serial killer. <laughs> Angry mother seeking serial killer for revenge. You know what mm. I'm saying? Uh, please apply in person. Uh, so that that must have been, you know, an interesting interview uh, when they met up for the first time. Uh, again, little things that I wish the movies would show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, we I'll also see and see those interactions. We also see uh, Rebecca Gay Hart in this one, mm-hmm. who was in <laughs> in um, Urban Legend. Just making her rounds, man. Yeah. <laughs> she plays Casey. She plays Casey yeah. Becker in Stab. Yeah. What? Uh. Um. um no. 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 Re- Rebecca Gayhart's one of the was one of the uh, college uh, fraternity uh, sorority girls. Fraternity. Sorority girls. Was she? Uh, the one that the the girl that plays uh, Casey in Stab? She actually is the cop in Scream Four. Oh, get out of here! Yeah, that's her. Heather Graham. That's right. That's right. No, I don't think it's Heather Graham. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking at it on IMDb right Is now. it? It's, it's Heather Graham. Or maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I just know Rebecca Gayhart was in Noxima commercials, and then she, <laughs> she became an actress. <laughs> there's Maybe I'm maybe wrong about Scream 4, because I know there's an actress who, anytime I see her, I think it's Heather Graham, but it's, a, it's someone else. Yeah, the the chick from Scream Four looks like Heather Graham, I think. Yeah, yeah. If I'm not mistaken, but it's not. Are you thinking of like Jamie King or something? They look very similar. No, no, no. There's <laughs> there the girl. Yeah, the girl from Scream Four, the cop. She looks exactly like her to the point where I actually thought that was. I thought that she had brought her in, but no, you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're right. No, yeah, it's Marley. It's Marley Shelton. Marley Shelton plays mm-hmm. the, the cop in Scream Four, and she does. She has like she has Heather Graham vibes for sure. For sure, I want to. Okay, so I'm wrong about that one, but I I want to say she does appear in another another screen movie. I just don't remember where it is, right. and maybe I just kind of confused the where she came up. Because I feel like she did have double roles in the Scream franchise. I think you're thinking of. I still know what you did last. <laughs> <laughs> 
Maybe it is. I don't know. Wrong answer. <laughs> getting funny. Um, but anyways, um, what else was I gonna say? Where where were we at? Oh, uh, yeah. So so getting to the to the killing itself, and and it's not that important. But the the killings that were tied to the copycat were all Mickey's, and when it actually gets to killing the the main protagonist or trying to kill the main protagonist, I would say that would be Mrs. Dumas. Because oh, yeah. um, all she really cared about is getting these three um, that got, that survived the, the original movie. Mm-hmm. The Holy Trinity. Yep. <laughs> and she um, almost gets them too. She almost gets them. She almost gets, yeah, she almost gets all three. She skewers Dewey. To, oh, I mean, I mean, she, she fillets Randy and she skewers Dewey and she shoots um gail so now and she almost gets to sydney we have to think that dewey is supernatural right i mean <laughs> he's continue surviving it's sheer will man it's sheer will he is <laughs> he is uh he is sydney's protector in every way like it's funny to me that like sydney never gets to have love but like I don't know, like just to just to skip forward. I know we'll we'll, we'll probably come come back together and talk about three and four. But there is a moment in four where there's like they're both in the living room and they're talking to each other, and there's like a thing there. There's like a thing there, and I don't know if it's not. I don't, I don't know if it's any lot like if it's been like a, a brother sister thing for so long where like it's not supposed to be that, but it felt almost romantic. You know what I'm saying? Like like I like in especially in four, it felt like Dewey was very disconnected from Gail. And when he sees Sydney again and she starts to go through it all again, like there's just like this moment there that I, I always that I always felt was like there's there's like a there's like a thing there between them. I always um, felt so Dewey was in love that. with Sydney from the very first movie. Yeah, like I don't think he dies because of that. Like mm-hmm. he knows he's gotta protect Sydney no matter what. So like I feel like he is her ultimate protector. What I will say though is that the limp and the stuff goes away. Um like and, and it comes back in like really weird times, you know, like it, there's parts of three where he's doesn't where he doesn't um, where or yeah, three where he doesn't have it. And then there are other times where he does. Uh, but but yeah, like he is supernatural in, in his own ways. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> uh, one of the, the, the one murder that I, I think really. And it's kind of kind of feels weird saying it to the, the one murder in the movie that I really enjoyed <laughs> um, was what's her name? Um, is it Sarah Michelle Gellar? Yes. When he not only stabs her, but he throws her off the off the building. <laughs> because the thing is with with Scream, it's not about the whole. You know how um, Jason always found clever ways to to do his killings. That's not really the point of Scream. The Scream is is very, very for the most part, very simple, stabby, stabby, you know, or filleting, uh, like Stu does. But um, in this one, he can, they add, they add that thing there. I just I just think it's more. It makes it, it grounds it more to reality. It makes it more human that they're not just trying to find different and more innovative ways to to do their killings. It's very humanistic to me and personal and, and yeah close you know like you stab somebody and then throw them over a balcony like mm-hmm. you, you you thought about that 
right? Like it, it just wasn't in the moment. Like you did it because it was available to you. Mm-hmm. It's it's kind of cool to kind of like break down the 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 thought process behind the killers and the killings in the movies because again, it's 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 all a ploy to scare Sydney, right? And like mm-hmm. you know, we are in a lot of ways Sydney when we're watching Scream, like that's us. So it's like it's it's a way to scare the viewer and put us in that in like that the that threat seat where we're like, oh man, this killer is different. Yeah, the first two. What's like even going to to Stu in the first movie? Why was Casey chosen and her boyfriend? Well, we late later on in the film we find out that Casey broke up with him for <laughs> the jock. Yeah, and I wonder why they were chosen. Right, right. And that all and that and again that and again that scene is given to you going back to part one. That 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 answer is given to you right at that moment. You mm-hmm. know, and again, red herring. It all gets it gets brushed aside. Because we're like in high school and we're like in this promenade or wherever they're at, you know, in front of this fountain. And you could, in your mind, it's like, it's like when Sheriff Burke, when Dewey's like, you think he did it? And he was like, you know, 10 years ago or 15 years ago, I would have told you no way. But nowadays, I don't know. And that was the whole point in the 90s was like, like there was a lot of weird stuff going on and people were doing weird things. And it was like, you know. The, the crimes were getting more elaborate and, 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 and more violent. And we, you know, teenagers, especially uh, at the time, were very, you know, we were at the forefront of all of that stuff, you know, between between just gangs and weird, you know, stuff going on between, you know, devil worshiping and all the stuff that went on in the 90s that people were scared of, you know, like kids were at the forefront of that. You know, mm-hmm. it's like Scream does a good job at like being like, are they still innocent? And just teenagers, or are they homicidal maniacs? You know, so scream, scream, and scream two do a good job at like putting us in that seat where we, we were looking at it, and it's almost like real life. Like people can do this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. J- Jason and Freddy, and you know, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, eh, whatever, not so much, but a guy with a knife in a mask, yeah, that's 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 doable. That's real. That's why uh, Hannibal Lecter for me was one of my. One of the people monsters that really scared me the most because he can go from this very just chill person and just like biting your face off all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then he messes with your head. <laughs> Love Hannibal. So yeah. Um I think we I think we turned this more into a, a psychological review of the killing of the killers of Scream. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Nothing wrong um, with that. Nothing wrong with that. No, uh, I really do love these two movies. I don't know. Uh, did we miss anything that you guys wanted to talk about these these two films? Just the music, Marco Beltrami. Yeah. Great oh stuff. yeah, yeah, good music too. Yeah, the score I, again, just all all all, all flowers, everything, all, all everything. cylinders. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, they, red they, right they, hand. They, yeah, when I hear it, oh, I'm like, yeah, that's. And you know what's funny is that I, I thought it was more prominent in part one than it really was. Mm-hmm. Right when um, they find Casey's body, right, right after the the first um, section or the first scene in Scream, for some reason in my head I had it. Oh, here comes that song, and when it didn't come out, I'm like, oh wait. No, that, <laughs> that song that song plays right before uh, Dewey drops him off at the um, at the supermarket. 
Mm-hmm. And he goes to see the, sh- the the sheriff, and and then that's it. And then that move, and then that song comes back in different variations throughout the franchise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like throughout the franchise, that song has been played in different ways and different, like I said, different versions of it. But and I hadn't realized it also comes out in Dumb and Dumber. Yeah. Yep. It's a, it's a song that plays in a lot of movies. Like a lot of yeah. movies have, have that song, but nobody uses it like Scream Baby. Oh no! To me, that to me, that's the actual Scream theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no. You're probably right. No. Uh, Ghostface. I mean, just the whole thing that if if I'm not mistaken, they actually bought the rights for that mask because they couldn't replicate it. And then they kind of just tweaked it a little bit, but not, not to the point where you could, it's not recognizable. So I, so I wonder who has the right to that mask. Cause it, there's a reason why they weren't able to use it for the TV series. They own it now. Uh, they didn't at the time. Um, it was, Whoever makes the mask, I can't remember, you know, what the company is, but yeah, that, that was the big issue is that they didn't have the rights, um, which is also a hold up for this movie even was to get, to get that mask. Right. And the, and the thing is, I think in the nineties, there was supposed to TV show back in the day too. And it just never happened. It didn't happen till what, what year did, do you remember what year? The, the TV show, the MTV ago, series, came out 2016 or something. I think so. Yeah, 2016 or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. Um, last impression, Casey, of of Scream One and Two. I mean, you know, I guess I didn't think about it as much um, before getting on, like just how much I love the movies, um, but I do quite a bit and like i said i i think about how like i bought so much memorabilia like at that time especially and just recently neca put out like this ultimate ghost face um figure and i bought that uh and i was like yeah it has like a phone and has like the stab mask and a couple other masks and stuff like that and a couple different knives and i was like okay yeah you know i I do love Scream and I've I've watched it ugh, countless times, countless, countless times. And I had the soundtrack and everything. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that we got to do this tonight. Uh, it was a lot of fun. It, super extra long episode, but it was a, a fun one. <laughs> Ruben, uh, last impressions of uh, the first two Scream. Oh, Screams? Man. Is it Scream? Screams. Um, you know... Uh, I attribute it to, you know, it's right up there with, uh, you know, Jurassic Park and and uh, and Indiana Jones and Star Wars for me in terms of like me wanting to write things that made people, you know, scared or happy or or just, you know, go on an adventure. Uh, it definitely fueled my imagination as a kid. So I'm I'm, I'm thankful that that Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson were, were able to do it. Um, like I said, you know, at the top of the show, it is hands down by far. I never have to think about it. People are like, oh, what's your favorite slide up oh, screen? You know, like I never have to, you know, sit there and wonder like, oh, what do I, how do I categorize my, my slashers and, and 
it scream at the top every single time. So um, yeah, I, I just I love both of them, um, and I love three and four. So we'll come back and we'll talk about that. That's for sure. And that's something I'll I'll fight people with is I actually like the full franchise. I like every single movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe not as much as one and two, but I still really enjoy three, four, and I'm sure I'm gonna like five as well. And like I said, how I mean, even looking back at them again, one and two, just for this episode, mm-hmm. I realize how much I like this film more than I even thought before. <laughs> and let's just I mean, think about it. What what we what did we spend more time talking about in this? two movie review that we did. And it was not even a review. It was more yeah. of a, like I said, psychological um, analysis of the killers. Why? Because these characters were well-written mm-hmm. to the point where we can actually theorize and talk about why do we think they did this, they didn't do that, whatever. And we can actually back it up with what we feel is our personal evidence based on the movie. It's not something like, Oh, like, Oh, I think this and this, but we have no evidence. Like a lot of sometimes a lot of happens in, in, in Reddit and all that. And we have evidence on our, well, that we've seen that we can back up what we feel are the answers. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, definitely layered. It's definitely layered. Uh, and, and again, uh, deserves a lot more credit, uh, then it then it gets. I think I think again the movie does get you know the franchise itself gets a lot of flack um, from people. But again, I think it's 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 something that is very unique. Uh, lightning in a bottle. I don't think you could ever replicate it, no matter how hard you tried. Um, you just won't be able to do it. So it definitely stands on its own uh, as a franchise heavyweight for me. That's for sure. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and leave it there. Like I said, we did a super long episode and we're going to come back hopefully, hopefully soon. Hopefully it's not another, another year before we get back with Ruben to, to talk about three and four and uh, hopefully before five, you can even get into the series if you want. Yeah. Be great for it, man. I'm all for it. I watched the series too. Uh, I'm again, just a huge lover of the franchise. So, Whenever you want to do it again, have, you know we'll, we'll we'll do this dance one more time. Hell yeah! All right. Well, like I said, we're gonna go ahead and leave it there before we do. Just want to do one last thing here. Do you want to die? <laughs> I was able to get some sound soundboard and just want to make sure I use them all before we yeah. <laughs> before we left tonight. But no, thank you very much, Casey. Thank you, Ruben. Uh, for coming on here to talk about both these movies and you guys are always welcome to come on remember guys visit the the links that i'm going to be leaving in the in the description so you guys can keep up with casey keep up with ruben um not only with their individual work but with the work that they're doing together and um keep track with a with a with us because they're going to be coming keep coming on to the to the podcast they're more than friends they're they're already uh, they have their own crypt and tombs here in, in Nurse in the Crypt. Heck yeah. Thank you so much for having us on again, man. Yeah, well, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you for staying on uh, so late. 
No, no worries, man. I'm going to go watch Scream now. (laughs) I just watched it last night again uh, with my wife. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) All right, guys. We'll leave you there, and we'll talk to you guys next time here on Nerds from the Crypt. Are you a fan of things that go bump in the night? Chills up your spine, paralyzed by fright. Thrilled by horror at the center of a chat. Then welcome to the Nerds from the Crypt Podcast.